0: I think the biggest value anyone can give us is time, truthfully. We are a small charity with huge dreams and resources are low. Every single person has a contact. And I think through those contacts, we're able to open doors that we never thought would be imaginable. So we have many people that come to us and say, We want to help, but we don't know how. Leave that with us. We will always find a way. If it's not the money, if it's not the volunteering, if it's not going to Malawi, it's a like on social media. Every single person from zero right the way through to before truthfully the end of their life can make a difference and hell
1: hello and welcome back to the kill them podcast i'm your host business mentor and personal brand strategist on a mission to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action do something different and show up as the best person that they aspire to be are you one of my five a day Keep all your messages coming. Let me know on Instagram at Kelly Lundberg Official and let me know what you've been inspired by. Was it something on this episode? Keep them coming. It makes my day and it makes my guest day knowing that it has had such an impact. Thank you in advance for being one of my five a day. If you haven't already, drop a review on Apple Podcasts these reviews help secure even more guests to come on the show and it just takes a couple of minutes. Tell me which episode you like and it just draws more attention and more credibility. And in this episode, I have my first ever return guest, Sarah Brooke. She's sharing an update on the Sparkle Foundation, the amazing recovery effort after Cyclone Freddy, devastated parts of Malawi and how you can make a difference in a child's life I absolutely love Sarah she's so dynamic and innovative and I was so fortunate to be able to spend time with her and her team the local children and communities in Malawi last year and I share some of my experience the things that I learned and just the incredible work that she's doing so let's get into the episode Welcome back to the podcast Sarah. (laughs) Thanks for having me. You are the first guest that has been here twice which is so nice and all for a very very good cause and I think it's so lovely to be back here because so much happened from when you were first on the podcast and how much you and the Sparkle Foundation has had an impact on my life so thank you for that. Do you want to tell people a little bit about you? I know that you said it in the previous podcast, but for those that, you know, are maybe first time listening to the Kelly Loomer podcast, who is Sarah and what does she do?
0: Okay, wow. Who is Sarah? Sarah's a humanitarian, but Sparkle, I suppose, personal story. People always ask me why Malawi. I'm going to give a one minute overview if I can try. I pointed at a map, age 18, finger landed on Malawi, went over to volunteer, ended up having a near-death experience whilst over there. Sadly, people lost their lives while waiting in a queue. I was prioritised to be seen first by the doctor. I found this out after having surgery and I made a commitment there and then. I wanted to make a difference to one child's life. Fast forward 14 years, I'm now showing my age. Sparkle Foundation became registered charity in the UK 2015, Malawi 2016, the UAE 2021. And here we are uh, now, 15,000 people we've supported. We've created a best practice blueprint model the small grassroots charities and we're replicating hopefully across Africa in the next year.
1: Congratulations I Uh-oh. mean and having been first hand to see what you've created and I mean, I know that you know you're at the forefront of it but you have an incredible team around you Whether it's here in Dubai in the UK and in Malawi itself to help bring the community together and support the children so so we'll get on to that. I think there's so many things I want to talk about. So I think from that very first podcast that we did, and I ended up traveling with, with uh, <laughs> who was your PA at the time, who'd said to me, you really need to interview Sarah. And that was where it all began for me. And I said, okay, let's do an interview. I heard the, the podcast and was like, what can I do to help? And that was sort of the start of it. I'm so grateful that I actually came out to visit Malawi in November last year and see everything that you're doing because you started it as what was a school and it's so much more than that so maybe take a little bit of a step back because the first school that you actually created it didn't exist and it didn't last for what more than a few weeks was that yeah, right it was
0: uh, quite a fall from grace to say the least I think just using your example of how you ended up in Malawi that just shows the power of the human network and I think that when you say about my team at Sparkle that has literally been how we've been able to succeed truthfully is that One person's heard about us, referred us, referred us. There's still so much power in word of mouth. And yeah, it just was amazing to be in that situation. And for us, it's been failure, truthfully, that has got me to where we are. As you said, started with a school, truthfully, my own Western views of what I thought Malawi needed at a mere sort of 19 years of age, built it, walked away, and then came back a year later to surprise everyone, got the surprise of my life. Quite literally, no roof, no toys, no children. And at that point, you have a very difficult decision to make of go home, just accept that you failed or actually understand the why. And it was sort of a epiphany moment for me that I said actually at my age now, I can't be another statistic, I can't be another charity that's just come, especially across Africa, built something that I thought in my views was the right thing and then walked away. So I learned from some of the best charities in the world, learned from others that weren't necessarily doing it right, volunteered for the year and then quickly realized the model that we wanted to create and gave it my all move to the UAE to make it happen from a financial perspective and it works. And everyone always says to me, like, how's it work what's the success? And I'm like, I can only say truthfully from failure because we started a school. Our children were falling asleep by ten o'clock because they were hungry. So then it's like, okay, we need to bring in a feeding program. Then we're tragically losing a child a month from a medical condition such as diarrhea. So it's like, okay, we need to bring in a medical programme. And then our attendance was fifty 5 to 60%. And we're like why is that? Oh because the parents don't value education because they've never been to school themselves. Okay, let's educate the parents, let's get them into businesses. I think any parent around the world wants the same thing, the best for their child. And as soon as we started empowering the parents, especially the moms, our attendance skyrocketed 9500%. And That's now incredible. we are one of the highest across Malawi for our attendance for a ECD center, so which is a early childhood development center so nursery age.
1: The thing that struck me, I think, probably the most in terms of the children that you have as young as two, I mean, yes. like some of them are super little and, and small height-wise, like they tiny, but the self-sufficiency astounded me when I think I've got nephews. And I remember um, this got translated because as part of our program, when we were there for the week, we, we did sit with the woman in the community. And I shared this experience that I've got nephews that are nine and 11 and 12 and, um, They are nowhere near as self-sufficient as the children that were coming in. Real responsibility. And that's something that you're bringing to them in the education, the eating. Like, they, they have to eat themselves. And it's just so incredible to watch.
0: Yeah, I think culturally, obviously, there's a massive difference in Malawi when you're born into a country like that. I often say, you know, it's a geographic lottery for where I was born versus where someone my age into Malawi. The terrain, the circumstances just so different, and that unfortunately in the world we live in today, dictates the opportunities that are available to you, and for our kids, my big thing is to be making sure that we're having a positive impact on their lives and doing everything I can while I'm alive, to give them the same opportunities that I was within the framework mm. that we can in Malawi. Independence naturally starts at a lot younger age. I mean, from the moment a child is off its mum's back and can walk, they're good to go. I mean, we've got two-year-olds. That were walking to Sparkle originally until we said to parents no it's really important you walk them to school and it was changing a whole mindset which is why it's taken us 10 years to get to where we are today because we've not gone in there and just said this is what we think is best we've worked with the community understanding the needs understanding okay why is it culturally that these things happen and not trying to put our views on there but work collectively together to make sure we find the happy medium and so far so good it's it's working in
1: and it's all the aspects, you know, you, you know, that we were, you know, privileged to experience and support them through, whether it was measuring the height of the children to make sure that they were, they were growing, like you genuinely care for the growth of the kids and not just their education. It's how are they, they eat them. what are they doing when they're out with it? How are they being supported? You know, there's so much love and support that goes just beyond we're looking after children that come to kind of preschool in some way.
0: And I think it's a huge, obviously, how to portray that on social media, because people know the story of Sparkle, assume from a few pictures that it is just a school. But our model now, which is what is being recognised, is very holistic. And yes, we've got the four pillars, as you've mentioned. But within those four pillars, there's nine different programmes. We're covering nine of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which for a charity of our size, I don't think it's particularly heard of. It makes the job full on. Some may argue that we're doing too much but we don't believe that one thing can work without the other. And that's why, from, truthfully, from the moment a child is born, we're already giving medical advice to pregnant moms. Mm. They're then coming into our clinic to be weighed when the babies are born because by the time they reach to, when they do come to our program, stunted growth is a huge issue in Malawi. By two, it's irreversible. Mm. So we're making our life easier by doing the preventative, by going out into the communities. So it all feeds into it. If a child is stunted growth, it can have an impact from bullying, emotional, psychosocial support, education level. So it's all the way through that it affects things. Then when you come later in life with youth, exclusion, then obviously marriage, different things like that. We have to play a part in every part of the child's life right the way through. And if we're looking at beneficiaries, our eldest is 78. Our youngest is a child that's not even been born yet. And that's a lot, but we believe it's working. And I suppose our results show. We have so much data now that I could tell you If Kelly, for example, was in Sparkle now, when she last had her meal, when she was last checked by the nurse, how her education results are doing both at Sparkle and at school, Mm. what her situation is with her parents and what her attendance is. And to have that level of data has given us the chance now to be able to replicate our model. And obviously with artificial intelligence now coming into play, we're now trying to get ahead of the curve with that so that we can do it all digital. And who knows where Sparkle could reach much quicker than what it's been able to in the last few years. I love that when people come out to
1: volunteer and volunteering is a big part of people contributing to how they can help Sparkle, whether it's word of mouth, whether it's sharing their skill sets, whether it's donating time, resources, there's so many aspects people can volunteer. And I think when we went to Malawi, something that you encourage actively is you bring a skill and you share that skill. And one of those skills was with where it was Danny who was sharing Mental health and how much of an impact of not speaking up was a big challenge, and especially for men. And he he asked that question when we were all sitting there. I don't know if, if you were there, about how are you feeling on a scale of one to ten, and you know, ten being awesome and one being terrible, and like pretty much only everyone said one or two. Yeah. And it's how do you then you start to build that? Now you were working on one of the mental health programs. Shouldn't I talk a little bit about that one?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think. Obviously, in Malawi, it's survival. So your emotions, there's two or three words to describe how you're feeling in the Chichewa language, which is the native language there, is okay, fine, good. So anything around that, it's never asked. And I've said to many of my teammates, while we try and understand the differences, like, well, why is that? It's like, because if you're fed and you're healthy and you're alive, you are good. Mm -hmm. So it's a completely different concept that certainly for me that I've never had to experience like that. I've always had food on the table and I've always had a hospital nearby. So. That's trying to understand that. And that's why Danny was so helpful because he was showing people how to articulate and creating a safe space. And this is what we're now trying to do create a culture in Sparkle that, although it's so alien to mm. everybody within our community, Sparkle can be the pioneer within that. And that's why we're launching this mental health program, the first of its kind in Malawi, to give that opportunity. And I think acting has a lot to play role play, using real life situations that they're dealing with to feel comfortable and free to speak because there's a lot of bias, you know even in schools you don't have the opportunity to express yourself everyone is still 150 children in our local primary school with two teachers at the front so how is a teacher in there in any way going to be able to see that one child needs may, help yeah, yeah you can't and we're now trying to teach our children to speak up to have the opportunity the care system around them that actually speaking up isn't a bad thing it's a good thing we can help yeah and once you know it's a slow burner we can change that perception hopefully eventually we'll create a future generation of people that will set the standard then there on after because it's been too long that almost a whole generation of people have just been silent and that's what exactly what danny found is that if you're one or two why and it was hard and i think you were there to hear that they didn't also know why like some of them were struggling to say what the reason is apart from basic needs we don't have food we're worried about whether you know we're for a single-headed household if our mom or dad doesn't work how are we going to put any money to help our school fees Mm. these are basic things in the world that we're living in today but i suppose for me as a humanitarian ceo this is what's driving me forward and as harrowing as those stories are that's why i have to be on the ground in malawi because i have to hear this i have to sort of charge myself up to be like this is what i want to change this is why we work tirelessly this is why we have a team of people every single day trying to fight for better futures for these people yeah because there's so much injustice in the world So if you were sort of
1: looking back at the last, what, 10, 15 years, you know, there's so many things that you've learned. What would you look at maybe changing or do you wish you could have done differently, if anything?
0: Oh, there's a whole host of things (laughs) definitely for that. I think number one would be, there's a saying off the top of my head, I've not got it, but is that you need to look after yourself first before thinking about looking after others. Oh, yeah. I know. I don't want to give myself lip service by saying I've come a long way. I know Sarah (laughs) really well now. And I was going to say that it still needs to be I'm aligned. working on it. Yeah. It would be wrong of me, especially for my parents, if they're listening to this, to say that that's not something that I would change because I've put them through hell or back. I mean, seven near-death experiences and, what, nearly 50 trips now in an ambulance in six different medical evacuation types of modes of transport. I've got a whole host of stories of how my health has been affected by the job burnout. I think it's very common amongst sort of leaders around the world but burnout combined with living in an environment where I didn't take any sort of precautions. I went and lived in the village straight from school, drank the water, lived with a family, which I don't regret anything, Learned the language, but I never thought that the consequences of the malaria, the typhoid, the dengue fever, you know, sort of superhuman, I was young, let's give it a go. And that's probably something now as I'm getting older, I'm starting to realise, okay, actually it's really important to take care of yourself. From a mind, physical, emotional, well-being perspective, especially as Sparkle is growing, I feel more people are looking at me to really be able to lead this organisation to where we believe we're destined to go and I can't be crumbling at the top. And I think it's not just, you know, Sparkle because that is
1: a huge piece of what you do in your life but also you go into organisations. Uh, you go in and, and support sort of whether it's team building, um, CSR and I think now in, with Dubai looking at, their policy changing by the end of the year, there's going to be big changes for for that coming.
0: Huge. I mean, I think I sit in quite a unique position because to fund Sparkle initially, I was working with sort of huge corporate organisations building their CSR strategy. I've then sat on the other side of the fence being a charity founder. So having both sides of the table, I can see not only the big gaps between the two, but also companies here in the UAE are pushing. You know, we've got COP28 coming up at the end of the year, Private companies want to get involved. So many people here want to make a difference. And along comes Sparkle, along comes Sarah, what they say, Tinder for Purpose. Here I am, is that I can really give people the opportunity to change somebody's life and be part of this movement with us. And for companies, I know from an employee engagement perspective, employee satisfaction, you only need to look at the statistics. No longer are employees looking for pay. It's now about what can you offer? What is your company doing? And Sparkle fits perfectly now into that, as, as I do, being able to advise companies of how they can save costs on recruitment, how they can ensure that there isn't such high turnover. And there's some basic fundamentals we can do here within the UAE, but globally, that can make the workplace better for employees, but can also change lives in countries like Malawi. I think there's this idea that people think when they're going to contribute to a charity,
1: it needs to be massive, or I need to do something really grand. And I think from your side is sometimes it can just be small, consistent effort, whether that's an hour and a month or something there. What would be your thoughts on someone thinking, I want to help, but I don't have loads of money or I don't have this. What would you say?
0: It's not about the money. No, <laughs> number one thing. But I think the biggest value anyone can give us is time, truthfully. We are a small charity with huge dreams and resources are low. A connection, take what you said about Annabelle connecting me to you, look at the journey that that's now gone on. Every single person has a contact and I think through those contacts, we're able to open doors that we never thought would be imaginable. So we have many people that come to us and say, we want to help, but we don't know how. Leave that with us. We will always find a way. Anyone who's met me will say, We well, should doesn't give up this one. Um, <laughs> if it's not the money, if it's not the volunteering, if it's not going to Malawi, it's a like on social media. Every single person from zero right the way through to before truthfully the end of their life can make a difference and help. Mm. And it's just taking that initial step. I think they say it takes three seconds to make a decision about whether you're going to do something and reach out. And that three seconds can not only change your life, but it can also change someone else's. And I think that's a really important thing that we're now starting to realise with volunteering, especially here in Dubai. We have a lot of people that come and say we want to help someone else. And truthfully, it ends up helping them, whether it's connecting them with their purpose, whether they're going through their own mental health struggles whether it's finding a group of like-minded people and then you to Dubai. We're all from different backgrounds here. We've all got different cultures. We're all different religions, race, whatever it may be, but we all share something in common and that's we're all striving to find our purpose. Mm. So
1: Sparkle officially launched in 2022 in the UAE and it's really hard to get charity registered here in the UAE.
0: Why is that? There's a whole host of reasons and the majority of them obviously are because they want to make sure you've got top governance around and Sparkle is a relatively small charity. So a lot of the charities registered here are big global organisations. Naturally, as we're in the UAE and across the Middle East, there's sometimes a religious aspect at Muslim based charities. Sparkle, Mm. we're small. Big dreams though, we're non religious. Either with our Sparkle an orphan is an orphan. We sit on that side of the table for a child. We're not obviously any politically driven in any way. So for us, and we're Africa based, specifically Malawi. Most people say to me, where's Malawi? We are now putting Malawi on the map. Um, (laughs) And so it was difficult because there's a certain threshold that you need to raise each year. There's licensing fees and the UAE just want to make sure that it's not just a one-hit wonder. You're going to come for a year and then disappear. So there's certain frameworks that they put in place. And that was Uh, the challenges that we faced is that how are we able to prove that we weren't just sort of a... One-hit wonder. One-hit wonder, exactly. And they gave us a year. After being rejected three times and said, prove it. And then we had our gala dinner, and I'll remember so well IHC, who we fall under, International Humanitarian City, were there and they said, wow, we never expected this of someone like Sparkle. Oh, great, and thanks. I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was a moment for me, because I never expected what happened at the gala to be sold out within a week and for everyone to be coming together for something that truthfully started as a passion project. Mm. You know, it was a very proud moment, often the nature of who I am. We're constantly striving for more. I suppose anyone that's got involved with charity will know when I say this is that when you make a difference to someone's life, one's never enough, it's more, it's more, it's more. It's a feeling that you get. It's like an addiction. You just want to help, help, help. The gala was a real moment, especially with my mum and dad. We walked in and just saw pictures of the kids or these people. It was people. beautiful. Yeah. And it's like I mean, I won't say, Wow, I've made it, but I was like, wow, like you did this. this. is sparkle. But we have done this, this. Done. between this. a team of four people. We'd never done an event before. It was all volunteers that pulled together, and you flew a colleague out. Yes, from, from Malawi. Malawi. That would never been on a plane before,
1: and you know she gave the most incredible speech. You know, for for never having experienced oh, anything so. else, she stood in front of how many people were there? Three fifty. Yeah, three hundred and fifty people, and you know there wasn't a dry eye in the house, and you know it was it was absolutely incredible. So. You have put sights on the, the one for this
0: year as well. Yeah, I think for us as well, events is a really important part mm. of this journey. We're never going to be a charity. We don't believe in any negativity. We'll never do negative images. It's all about empowerment, positivity, and making people feel that sense of belonging and being able to do more. And I think for our events, we want to make sure it's always mutually beneficial. And that's why it's such a key part of our fundraising. We don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want people coming to things that they want to go to. And then secondary is brilliant. It raises money for a charity. Everyone in Dubai wants to go to the latest thing. Dubai wants to be the best at everything. <laughs> so how can we create the best charity event in the UAE? Work with Sparkle, let's see what we can do. And yeah. that's now, last year was sort of the f- base level of what good looks like. And now we're striving for the stars, quite literally. I mean, you had some incredible prizes within that, that people had so
1: generously donated holidays, their homes for weeks. and, and- there was quite, you know, you could have a silent bid, I think, as yes. well, and live auction. And um, I love the touch of the wall that you had, where people in the area before you went in for dinner was they could buy a brick. But what was so special about the brick wall that it had been designed by an artist who had already been to Malawi. And I saw her work there.
0: I think, yeah, it's, it's bringing it all together, isn't it? Dino as the artist that, you know, you can see all of her work across Dubai in the marina on the stairs. So she's been, she donated her time to go cover our Sparkle site that Which just now be- looks fantastic. It's beautiful, so um, vibrant. And then to recreate that back in the Gala Dinner, I think for us, especially me as Sparkle's leader, but also our team, the UAE has shown us the best of humanity. And that Gala Dinner was just, again, a prime example behind that from the people that donated the auction prizes, you know, One Night's Day in Burj Arab. I mean, sparkle. And then it's like, oh, but you can also be in the Burj Arab. Like, it's like crazy for us to think that this is what was happening. And it showed what this country can do. Mm. If we all come together, what we're capable of achieving. And as a result of that night, we're now able to replicate our site again in Malawi. We're hoping to have our third site by the end of the year, which is over 5,000 people will benefit from One Night. And one night that every single person said they really enjoyed they can't wait for next year and they felt you know a real sense of they're part of it they're part of this army of change makers that we're trying to create and Mm. as a result so many lives are going to be impacted and it's it's an amazing amazing opportunity to be part of it but also an amazing success story for a very small charity based here in the uae of what we can do if we put our minds together
1: doing incredible things So, Malawi this year was hit really badly by Cyclone Freddie. So, I I was in November, but by uh, February, March, there was terrible damage, and you were there for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, March, we flew out with my operations director. It was her first time going to Malawi. And two days in, we'd heard that there was due to be a cyclone. I've been there for numerous cyclones, um, being completely honest. Strong winds, flooding usually is the case. So, I was like, okay, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. And We very quickly realised it was not going to be okay. And the rain continued to fall and fall and fall. And then by the next day, pretty much all of our village where we're based was under the water. And we realised then we need to move and we need to move quickly. We assembled the team. I mean, we are not a crisis management organisation. By any means, I've never really done disaster relief work. But I suppose you've got instinct kicks in and you think this is what I've got to do. Fight or flight, as they say. And we went For it, we went out into the communities. We started evacuating people from houses. We set up shelters at Sparkle and we set up on our, our other site, Mulanguzi. We started getting food reserves in. I mean, it was tough. I would be lying if I said it probably hasn't been the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my career when it comes to physical endurance. They were sort of 12, 13 hour days in the dark with no equipment. So we had our phones with our iPhone torches on with masking tape as a head torch. We didn't have wellies, I was in leggings, trainers and a t-shirt that was just sopping wet and we were going into houses, pulling people out because people were reluctant to leave because obviously what about their stuff and their only belongings and then houses were collapsing either on us or around us. And obviously for me, leading a team out there knowing that we didn't necessarily have all the safety equipment, we made the decision beforehand, we said to people it's a choice, we're not compulsory making anyone but everyone stepped up, everyone wanted to go and help and yeah it was hard, we... I'll say just a particular story just to put things into perspective is that we went out and maybe no more than 10 metres away there was a group of children that were there shouting for help and I said to the team that I was with and we'd all kind of come together at this point a lot of different organisations how can we help them and they said oh no we need rope and I said well is there no rope rope is a basic no we can't get rope or boats so there's nothing we can do and I said well let's make a human chain let's reach out they're as old as my niece and nephew's like all under 10 let's connect with our arms and reach them. I went to stand in the water and the water came up to my chin and was a strong current, like, you need to go back. And I was like, I'll never forgive myself if I just walk away from And they're shouting, please help, In chichewa. I turned around to go to the car to see if, you know, when you have a spare tyre, if you need to change what equipment there may be in the back of the car. Mm. By the time I turned around to go to the car, a landslide came and took oh, um, children out. And two, three days later, when we were able to get back into the area, we would reports that you know the bodies that had been found and oh. yeah I mean it's really heartbreaking to think in a world like we live in today a piece of rope is the difference between, between life and death. Yeah, and that image will not leave me yes it's a motivation more so for me for the why but it's also a constant reminder that the imbalance that is in this world is painful and isn't just at all and while I'm still on this planet to do something about it I really hope I am able to and encourage more and more people to be able to do something. And I was unbelievably overwhelmed by the support that we got. You know, we raised sort of 50,000 dirhams overnight just by people seeing we were the first charity to respond in Malawi. We were recognized by the United Nations for our work. And people saying, wow, we had over 150 local volunteers that came. We're leading out teams. We covered over a thousand households over the next two weeks. We distributed food, we got people back into houses, we rebuilt things. What we were able to do, I mean, unbelievably proud of the team. I think something like that, when you go through, cements you as an organisation together. And it certainly was a defining moment, not only for Sparkle as an organisation, that yes, we may be small, but we're mighty and we can put our minds to anything we want. Also for me, truthfully as an individual, when you give yourself your own title as CEO at a very young age, it's defining moments that really, I suppose make you feel your worth and maybe it shouldn't be the case because everyone will say to me oh it's so amazing what you've achieved but you can tell me that's I'm blue in the face and it's a feeling inside and especially some of the CEOs I'm fortunate enough to mingle with here in the region and I remember thinking two weeks in like after no sleep another day going out I don't know if there's many people that would be able to keep standing and keep going and put on a brave face and tell everyone Mm. this is what we've got to do we've got to keep fighting and I came away thinking, okay. I now know why I'm in the position I'm in and I want to make sure for other people, especially women, that maybe don't feel the same confidence that actually it's not about what other people think, it's what we feel in ourselves yeah. and I've, it's been no looking back since that moment, so as awful as it was and terrible for those that lost their families, you know, over a million people have been displaced, no one really heard about it on the news, it was yeah. through Sparkle Socials that people were made aware of mm. it. It's changed not only the perception of Sparkle but also the perception of me as a leader but in general, now what we're capable of achieving. So yeah, it's been it's been tough, but it's been extremely moving. But these things take a toll
1: on you as well. Yeah. And I know last year was a tough year. This year has also been. Every year is a tough, tough year. It's tough. It. But you know, what are some of the things that you're trying to actively put into place now to you know prioritize you because you want to do so much and you can't if you don't prioritize you. So. What are some of the things that you're doing to help with that?
0: Growing a team here, number one. I mean, yeah. as a charity, you're ultimately, no one wants to pay administration costs. So it's a big educational piece around, you know, people still ask me when I go and give presentations, so do you take a salary? And I'm thinking, you know, how often do people get asked that in their everyday businesses and then how much are you taking? It's like, if we want to be the best charity and we're gatekeepers of your money and you want to make sure it goes to the right places, then of course you need a team of people that can make that happen. So for me, building a core team of people around me here that can do their different roles is number one. Mm. Two, I'm mad about sport. You know, there's so much more to Sarah beyond Sparkle. So paddle is a big love of mine. I mean, it works to my advantage. 60% of my fundraising target has been made by on the paddle court, not really even speaking about <laughs> Sparkle. And I just love it. We've made partnerships from it. And word of mouth has increased through that. And also taking time. I've spent the last 14 years truthfully firefighting problem after the next problem after the next and i now know sparkle has outgrown me and if i don't end up shifting to being now more of the strategic person Mm -hmm. not always you know accessible on whatsapp i'm sorry for those i haven't got back to but it's 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 not sustainable you know i'm receiving up to 200 emails a day 60 70 whatsapp chats daily and it's great and i'm really touched that so many people can you come around to the house for dinner could you come and meet my child could you come and give us some inspiration about this come and tell us one of your stories. I mean, story time with Sarah might be the next best thing because I seem to have got a story for everything, but I have to just make sure I find the balance. You hear it on every single podcast around the world about balance is key. I'm still working at it, but I think if I find the balance between my physical health, mental health, sort of like meditating, relaxing and reading more, I'll be able to be more strategic in my job. And now having more people that want to go over to Malawi is also meaning I don't have to spend three months a year there and i can actually also take a holiday (laughs) so what's the last
1: holiday here without a laptop or with a laptop (laughs) (laughs) just a holiday where you switched off for a
0: few days because you weren't sick holiday holiday it's so difficult to honestly answer that because if you think the nature of my job the first three questions anyone would ask you is what's your name and what do you do yeah and as soon as i say i run a charity they suddenly become a conversation a contact a networking opportunity and then i'm Automatically thrown into work mode. So, unless no. I'm going down the route of saying, I work in insurance, no offense to anyone in insurance, but no one ever follows up with, wow, <laughs> that's like absolutely breathtaking. <laughs> it usually is very difficult to switch off. And I don't mind that. I'm a sociable person. I love people being enthused about something I'm so passionate about and wanting to get on board. Yeah. But I do need to find a happy medium without a laptop, without a phone. So, maybe you'll find me somewhere on a desert island, somewhere <laughs> disconnected, hopefully over the summer holidays. I like kite surfing. When I'm out on it, kite surfing, no, me and can. a kite, no one else oh, I love that. can contact me. It's me in the ocean. Scuba diving. Another great one. It is. I, yeah.
1: I, I used to love, I mean, I only do it on holidays now, but scuba diving is a great kind of, no one can reach you, no one can speak to
0: you. It's skydiving, another one, but with my long list of medical ailments. And I'm you know, grateful that someone kindly sponsored my insurance. I don't want to take any, uh, any other risks that wouldn't be necessary.
1: We've shared some really sort of personal stories. And one of the things that I loved when we were in Malawi, we sat at the table and we we had some funny stories as well. Is there a couple of those that you want to share? (laughs) I I was thinking of one and I don't know where it was. Well, it was one when you just said that you came to Malawi with the suitcase of money to buy the building. (laughs) It was like, you know, you were how old? 18.
0: 18. And you'd just taken your savings. So, 18 the first time when I did it. Conversion of the cash, I didn't quite realize that the biggest note at the time was one pound or what would be five dirhams. So it was a 1,000 kwacha note. So imagine if you wanted a hundred pounds or 500 dirhams, you're already a sizable amount. When I was 21, I came back to do the building yeah. and I needed sort of in kwacha 10, 15 million, which was a massive amount. I remember going into the bank. This is in the UK? This is in Malawi. Oh, Malawi. With UK pounds giving it to the bank teller and him sort of smiling at me saying um yeah yeah and I was thinking why is he looking at me like that and he's like have you got your luggage and I thought luggage <laughs> like what was <laughs> he talking about and he's like you're gonna need something because this is a sizable amount I had to make a phone call I had to get my carry-on sort of cabin baggage open it up and fill it and then wheel it out of the bank and I thought this is dodgy as anything and yeah that was how I went and then Obviously, as time has gone on, different banknotes have helped the situation. We've got bank accounts; it's such much more established now. Um, But it's those little moments as well that you know. I, I remember categorically when I first kind of first went to Malawi, and that when I was older, after kind of working and coming from Dubai across to Malawi, that was the biggest shock for me. And suddenly having to go out to the borehole to get my water, and I remember thinking, I've got a lot of life skills, especially when I was here in Dubai, that I could do most 24 25 year olds you know if you got stuck in the jungle kelly i'm your go-to girl we can get <laughs> out of there you know unfortunately you know, i can kill a chicken under my shoulder like i know how to do it but when it comes to sort of going out for a brunch and making sure i've got my hair and makeup looking lovely it's just not been something that i've done and only on a recent holiday for a wedding some of the girls were saying to me you know all oh, these are the different type of brushes that you need to use for makeup and things and i was like well, oh, i've never been shown this and like where have you been living under a rock and i was like can't well, actually, <laughs> I've been in a village where, you know, makeup brushes is certainly not a thing. Makeup, I mean, let alone, I didn't even wash my hair. It was a bucket shower and I ended up with dreadlocks. So it just two very, very different worlds shaped yeah. me, yes, into the person I am today. But those funny sort of moments, are just like part of the journey, part of the book, I'm finally now writing after so many requests. But everyone will say if it's going to happen to someone, it's going to happen to Sarah. I mean, take the coconut falling from a tree knocking me out it was going to be me but the good news is for anyone that travels with me or goes with me at least they know it's not going to happen to them (laughs) because it's already happened people want it to come to me I always love it because we could
1: keep chatting and I know this is a catch-up and and it's also an opportunity to talk about Sparkle how can people find out more about Sparkle where should they go what LinkedIn, Instagram for you, like where's the connection points? Please use this.
0: Instagram, LinkedIn, hundred percent. I mean, even just people following us, sharing it with their network when we've got different Which events. Is the Sparkle that Foundation. Yep. The dot sparkle dot foundation. Okay. And then LinkedIn, the Sparkle Foundation. I'm also posting daily that with updates for ways people can get involved. We're on every social media platform. You can go to our website, sparklefoundation.org, and you can apply to volunteer. You can apply to remotely or even in the UAE whichever one it would be going over to Malawi as you did Kelly there is so many ways you can get involved as I said earlier on it's just about taking that step Mm. so if anyone's listening to this and think go on I believe there's nothing to lose what's the harm in trying cliche as it sounds I don't believe as you may vouch you will regret it
1: one of the best things that I've ever done and just you know every time we connect the stories you inspire me you know I absolutely love working with you on your personal brand journey you know and helping you get your voice out as much as it's sparkle but the skills that that Sarah knows that can help organizations and and help people really make a difference because that's what this is about is making a difference and yeah thank you so much
0: no and thank you I mean you're now very much part of the sparkle family and part of the journey with us so and I think that's what we want everyone to get on board and can you imagine? In fact, this is only a year in between. So like... Yeah. Five... I think it's probably only been a year since yeah. I was exactly on that podcast. So you were on the podcast. Five years time. You know, what What could, would we be saying? Like mm. How many lives genuinely? We've got our goal of 100,000 lives by 2030. So let's do this. I love it. Let's finish with a
1: fun question that
0: you're not sure. Why
1: don't you pick one? Go for it. Find a little bit more about Sarah.
0: I make too big of a deal about... i'll go for honesty here but i still worry way too much about what people think really yeah even in this space and even in this space yeah i mean it's very difficult when we're at the hands of the public you know ultimately dubai is still a huge land of opportunity but it's equally everyone knows everyone Mm -hmm. and one wrong move and it can affect us and it can affect other children's lives for me and so i'm always worried have i got back to this person have i said the right thing have i done this and It can be exhausting at times, Um, but I'm trying to find my feet now. And certain life lessons myself, realising it's okay not to necessarily fit in. You know, I was born in the UK, but travelled to Malawi at age 18. And then I've been in Dubai since I was 21 and then been back to Malawi. So Malawi is home in my heart. Mm -hmm. Dubai is also home for me. And the UK is probably the least one. And I know many people here feel the same thing. It's like when you don't necessarily know where you fit into a box, it can affect things and you think, where am I going? And that's when I definitely think, okay, I'm CEO, I'm mixing with all these high profile individuals. I'm a female, I'm still relatively young in comparison to where people are, but am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Do I sound professional enough? But now I definitely know 14 years of experience, it's all transferable skills that definitely now with the way companies are going, there's so much opportunities that not only I can add, but also Sparkle can add. I
1: remember when, because one of the things that we're helping you with your personal brand is your social media strategy. And one of the things that you'd said to me in Malawi was, I went, oh, I took a beautiful picture of you and the kids. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, but people are going to think that I just sit and play with the kids all day. And I was like, no, they won't. Like, They know you're doing it. And you're like, no, they will. If I post this picture, they'll think. And people have said that. Do you just play with the children all day?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. But it's even not just about playing with the children all day. Who does she think she is with these kids? And then if I, God forbid. I go out with my friends and socialise. Hope that's not my money that's being spent on your brunch. Like, you wouldn't believe I'm saying weekly people are on my social media saying something, but I've had to slowly put measures in place to sort of move past that. that. Because if I start believing everything you read, you start, you know, your whole mental health, self-esteem changes completely. So now I just try and rise above it. And, you know, the world needs more people to be honest, to be open. And I've always spoken about the struggles whether it be financially, the losses that we've gone through with Sparkle, whether it be me as an individual with my health, I'll always be accountable and always transparent. And I think certainly for the younger generation that are looking for role models, they want real. Yeah. I mean, what we see on social media at the moment is nowhere near what the reality is. And I hope anyone that's looking at my social media would go, OK, maybe sometimes mum and dad are like, ooh, Sarah, did you really need to share that? it's like, <laughs> no, I've got to be honest, I have to be me. Yeah, all net, yeah. all net.
1: Thank you so much and never stop being you.
0: Thanks so much.
1: Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better you can also share this on social media screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand then check out our new website Brand New Creators designed by our in-house team and we we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time. Bye.